0: Welcome to the broadcast of International Palace Church, Hope Temple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and it's true. There is no one else above you, beside you, beneath you, or even like you. You are our greatest acquisition. The knowledge of you, being possessed by you should be our greatest joy. And yet sometimes we're distracted by the voices here on earth. We ask your forgiveness this morning. We ask you to help us enter into the fullness of who you are and into the fullness of what you've prepared for us. This morning, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Praise God. Um, Something happened personally for me a few weeks ago where someone that I love very dearly made a lifestyle choice that I know is not pleasing to God. And it made me very sad. And when um, it was asked, you know, well, how do you feel about it? The answer was, well, I'm happy. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it because it's, it's not about putting a person on a spot at a point like that. But my initial thought was, what does happiness have to do with it? If it's not making God happy, how can it make you happy? So I want to talk to you a little bit today about the pursuit of happiness because I think that we are living in a culture where Christians are becoming just as hedonistic as the world. And we're rationalizing that, hey, as long as I'm happy... That's all that counts. And, and, Ralph, thank you for picking that song today because I was thinking, oh, I want to tell them to sing a specific song. And, and then I said, you know what, God, you've got it. You're going to pick the theme for worship today. And when you got to nothing else but you, you are my joy. I said, there it is, the confirmation. And, you know, what was interesting was as I started mulling on this topic of happiness, everybody on social media was talking about happiness, I said, okay, so this is this is like a theme, you know, the spirit is one, and when we get to that place where all the pastors are talking about the same thing, you know that it's an area of concern to God himself, and he begins to speak to the church and speak to the body through those in leadership, and they'll all be talking about the same thing, because it is the theme of heaven in that moment. Now, pardon one of the words this guy is going to use, but... When I I clicked on this, I like him, uh, Tim Ross. He's um, in in Dallas, Texas. And I like him because he's not afraid to talk about anything. And I believe that as Christians, we need to not be afraid to talk about anything. We need to be able to address issues in a relevant way that the world understands so that they're challenging their hearts to line up with God. And this is what Tim said. So he said, don't, don't put Jesus glitter on it. I love that. Sometimes God's going to tell you to do something that's not going to make you happy. What then? How hedonistic are you? You know, I think we've gotten to this place where we think knowing God should make us happy. Knowing God should make us holy. Guess what? Holiness leads to happiness. Someone asked me the other day, why are you so passionate about, I said, I'm passionate about holiness because God is passionate about holiness. You know why? Because he's passionate about you being joyful. He's passionate about you being whole. Holiness is actually wholeness. You know, we've gotten into this whole mode of holistic thinking. God is a holistic God. He understands that we're spirit, soul, and body, that we're three layers, even as the Trinity is three layers. And he wants to appeal to all parts of us, but he wants to appeal to them in the right order so that we are whole. When he says, be holy for I am holy, he's saying, be whole for I am whole. This is why he's not tempted. The Bible says that God cannot be tempted. Why? Because all that he desires and requires is already found in himself. He is perfect. He is whole. He is complete. And when he says, be holy for I am holy, he means be whole, for I am whole. I want you to know that everything that you desire and require is already resident in you and nothing outside of you should tempt you to go against my will because I've already filled you with everything you could possibly desire or need. Romans fourteen seventeen says, The kingdom of heaven. It's not a matter of whether you get to li- get what you like to eat and drink. You know I love my different translations. But it's of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Couple more translates for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if I take that and I make it a principle, I would say that Romans is telling us that it's not about what we consume or sometimes are consumed by. That's important. True kingdom living. When it says, oh father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, living in the reality of how God lives in heaven on earth is encapsulated in righteousness, peace, and joy righteousness not being just oh I'm right with God now through the blood of Jesus but right alignment with him alignment with his thinking process alignment with his mindset alignment with his heart so that we're walking in agreement with him on a daily basis and we're making decisions based on our alignment with him that is what leads to peace and guess what The end product of that is joy, joy in the Holy Ghost. As Tim says, not our joy, it's God's joy that he imparts to us as we walk in alignment with God. There's some weightier things that outlast our happiness called joy. There was a movie a couple years ago called In Pursuit of Happiness. And it was about this guy hit on hard times, um, wasn't doing well career-wise. Wife got mad and left him, and he's got this little toddler. Um, in the movie, I think the the boy was about five, but in reality, because it was based on a true story, the, the the boy was a toddler, and and he really struggled. They were homeless at some point, and and you know he just he had a dream about you know trading and becoming really successful in the financial area, and he just kept going, and he he had a vision. He kept doing it, and finally one day. He gets a job and there's this scene in the movie where they offer him the job and he's so overwhelmed, you know that he's like on the verge of tears and he just gets up and he packs up his stuff. He thanks them and he walks out onto the street and he's walking in this sea of people and you hear this voiceover saying, this little part of my life is called happiness So I looked up, you know, what was the point of the movie? I always want to know what's the lesson they're trying to get to. And uh, the the end end lesson for them was at the end of the day, what's most important is to pursue things that make you happy. And so this was what was going to make him happy to finally get that job. And he's walking down the street with tears streaming from his eyes. And he says, this little part of my life is called happiness. Well, you know, I got concerned right away, Pastor Nathan, because I thought, ooh, but what if he goes into work tomorrow and they say, you know what? We changed our mind. We don't need you anymore. What's going to happen to that happiness? And isn't that what happens? We base our happiness on specific things. And now we've got social media to give us a lot of things to strive for to be happy, right? I mean, that bag, that car, that house, that trip, that friend, that experience, that mountain, that whatever, you know, that relationship. Well, what if you don't have that man tomorrow? What if you don't have that woman? What if you don't have that house, that car, that whatever tomorrow? How will it affect your happiness well there's this big debate about the difference between happiness and joy anyway right we know we're told that happiness is stimulated by external factors and that joy is something deep within that's oblivious to external dis- disruption happiness is closely related to gladness you know and although joy joy is more of a state of being happiness is an emotion Joy is a state of being based on choice. It's a result of the choices that we make. Webster's Dictionary says that joy is the emotion of great happiness. It's a noun or a verb, and we can either create or feel joy or be joy to someone else. Now, happiness, is, it says it's generally understood as a psychological state characterized by contentment. As an ethical term, it's more than connected to the idea of living well. It's more often connected to the idea of living well. Aristotle said, he described happiness in this manner. He suggested that it is the goal of life to be happy. Is that your goal? That's not my goal. My goal is eternity with God. People who are ethicists, let me get that word right, View happiness as the goal of life, they generally add that it cannot be attained directly, but arises as the byproduct of other pursuits, such as the pursuit of both virtue and rational activity. And then viewed from this perspective, happiness is a sense of peaceful satisfaction connected with the attainment of harmony in life. Some connect happiness to pleasure, to which others respond that when pleasure is seen as an end in itself... The result is a self destructive hedonism that undermines happiness. Do you see the web and the cycle and the circle that we can be taken in if we yield to the world's philosophy on how to attain happiness? It makes sense to a certain degree, but as he said, it ultimately leaves you to a hedonism that results in things that undermine the very happiness that you were pursuing. What sense does that make? And the Bible confirms that. It says, oh yeah, you know, I mean, you know what? God is not, you know, not saying that sin won't make you happy. Because as Christians, you know, when we're being really self-righteous and Pharisaic, you know, we just condemn everybody that's doing stuff that they enjoy, you know. Well, you can't possibly be happy. Yes, they, they can be happy. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. You just don't know when the season will be up. You don't know when that long rope finally gets yanked. You don't know when your decisions catch up with you. But, oh, yes, you can sin and be happy for a season. And I believe that God knows exactly how long the season should be for each of us. when we make choices that he knows will ultimately hurt us? He'll say, go ahead. I'll be right back. I'll be here when you get back. And so sin is pleasurable. So don't tell, don't tell your friends that are doing wrong things you can't possibly be. They're happy. They're happy for now. Okay? <laughs> sin will make you happy, but it cannot give you joy. There's a difference. Joy is something that's within. It's something that's sustained, is not disrupted by any external activity. When we truly receive the joy of the Lord. With all the other things that we think can make us happy, we give into this kind of make it happen mentality. You know you know that I'm a singles expert. That's one of the things I do. And I'm always telling single people, do not make marriage a goal. The minute you make marriage a goal, you're going to settle for less than God's best for you because you're trying to tick that box. But if you're already happy, you'll be much more discerning Because desperation diminishes discernment. So when we make certain things our goal and we get into that make it happen mentality, we begin to pursue things that we think will make us happy. And usually when that occurs, we end up being severely disappointed. One of my favorite books is a book called Hope for the Flowers. And uh, in the book, it's all about getting to the top, getting to the top. And, and finally, after a bunch of stuff happens, this little caterpillar finally wiggles its way all the way to the top. And as it's getting to the top, it hears a voice from the top saying, oh, no. And everybody says, what? And they go, there's nothing up here. <laughs> And so the enemy sells us all these wonderful little packages with promises, but like a trip gone wrong, you get there and find out it's not the destination that you really wanted. So after a while, this cycle of being happy and then disappointed and happy and then disappointed and then happy and disappointed again can lead us to a place of disillusionment. Disillusionment with God, with your church, with yourself, With others, you give up, you decide it's all a lie, you've got a million questions now, Satan loves questions. Is this all there is? Is this as good as it gets? How do I get to a place called happy? Does it really exist? It exists, but it's fleeting. But there's a promised joy that is lasting. How do we get there? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to examine what are we really pursuing. Nowhere in Scripture I looked does it tell you to pursue happiness. It tells us that we're to run from youthly lust and run after or pursue peace and the things that make for peace. Romans 14, 19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things that will make us edify one another. Proverbs 12, 20 says, deceit fills hearts that are plotting with evil, but joy fills hearts that are planning peace. We are told to pursue peace. We're told to pursue righteousness. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, flee youthly lust, pursue righteousness, pursue faithfulness and love, pursue patience and meekness, pursue the purpose for which Christ pursued you. Paul himself said, I'm not saying I've apprehended all, but this one thing I do, I pursue the things that Christ pursued me for. Christ has deposited something in each of us and he's coming after you to pull it out, to make it manifest in the earth realm because it's part of kingdom design and kingdom plan to enlarge the kingdom of God. Don't get it twisted. This life is not about you. You just reap the benefits of tapping into God's plan, his overall plan. And that is when we get peace. That is when we get joy because we're now partnering with him. And when the thing happens that he has in mind, it gives us all great joy. We're told to pursue God. He is to be our pursuit. Luke 9:23 says, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, forget about what you think will make you happy. Take up your cross daily." That's your responsibilities. It's not crucifixion, okay? In some cases, you will need to crucify your flesh because it's like Tim said, sometimes God's going to tell you to do something that's not going to make you happy, but he knows ultimately it will. I don't know if you can recall when you were a child and your mother told you to do something or your dad told you to do something. You're like, why? And they said, just do it. And you did it with your lips poked out. But then you found out on the other side there was a reward for what they had told you to do. They didn't explain it in the middle. You know, God doesn't always explain stuff in the middle. But when you get to the other side, you see the glory. You see the why. Amen? Amen. When we have peace, we have joy. It's organically the end product, okay? Peaceful people are happy people or joyful people. I'm going to switch to joy because joy is that deep abiding thing. And and so everybody's thinking now about, okay, that all sounds good, Michelle, but I want joy and I want it now. Right? Well, unfortunately, there's a process for acquiring joy. There's always a process, right? The process of finding joy, I'm sorry to say, does come from Suffering, whether that's suffering the self-denial of something that you like until God changes that desire in your heart. Sometimes it comes through brokenness. And guess what? You actually can't recognize joy until you've been through those two things. To know the difference. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Do you have that testimony this morning? When Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was leaving and then he says, I'm going to come back. He says, you're going to be sad for a season, but then you're going to have joy. And they were like, we don't get it. We don't understand. And so he said to them, it's going to be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. And when her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she's brought a new baby into the world. When you're birthing things, it's uncomfortable, but know that the promise of joy is on the other side. So you've sorrow now, he said, but I'll see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will be able to rob you of that joy. He says, I'm going to give you a joy that the world can't take away. No matter what's going on around you, you are going to remain joyful because your confidence and your joy level is not invested in what's going on around you. It comes from someplace else. It comes from a higher source that cannot be interrupted by whatever's wreaking havoc around you or in your world. It's a process, and we have to recognize the true source of joy in order to remain stable and upright when things are challenging us and coming against our joy. We are not the source of our joy. You can't make joy happen. Joy is a fruit that's generated by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 tells us the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and even self control, the broccoli that we don't like to talk about. Against these things, there is no law. Now, you know, I have to say that, as he liked to say, I was old as I was coming up. (laughs) Ralph. But I have to say, I I came to the Lord when I was 21. Um, I'm now. But you know, back in the day when I'd hear the old ladies and church say, I've been walking with Jesus, I was like, ooh, that's a long time. And now I'm at that long time. But I I have the benefit of looking back. And I love sharing with younger people because of that. To say, child, I used to do that nonsense. Let me tell you where that goes. Because when you get to the other side of it and you can see the whole journey and progression of what happens when we make specific choices and be able to share it with others, that gives me tremendous joy. I have found that as I've matured in God, because your peace and your joy level are going to grow deeper as you mature in God, okay? I found for me personally that different things give me joy now than what gave me joy even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Ooh, now I'm really telling you, right? But it changes as you go deeper in the things of God. So I, I just want to give you a quick list of some things that are sources of joy so that you can now redirect your focus and not be distracted by the voices and content around you that insist that they are things that will give you joy. But ultimately, it's simply for a season and it dissipates at best. The first thing that gives us joy is the word of God itself. Have you ever just sat in your meditation time and read the word and go, oh, that is juicy. Oh, that's some good stuff. Or your hope's been built up as you read one of the stories that's there as an example of what your life can be like if you make the same decisions that person made. The commandments of the Lord are right. Psalm 19, 8 says joy to the heart. That's a promise that his word will give you joy. The word of the Lord gives us joy because the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. And all of us are seeking direction on a daily basis. And when we look into the word of God and we get a direction, man, that thing explodes as joy in your heart. Forgiveness and salvation give us joy. David said at a point when he felt like he had gone amok, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It is good to know that we are right with God and right with one another. Am I right with you, Eunice? Okay, good. See, I'm happy because I'm right with Eunice. When we're right with God, it gives us joy. Purity of heart gives us joy. The the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad all you who obey him. Shout for joy all you whose hearts are pure. Now, why would that give you joy? Because that's kind of like, seems a little nebulous, doesn't it? But the thing about, and there are certain people I know like this who like, I say they have no guile. They have like no agenda in their hearts whatsoever. They are really joyful people. Because they're not, um, they're not plotting and planning all the time. You know, when you're plotting and planning in your heart all the time and stuff ain't happening the way you want, it just makes you upset. It robs your joy. But when you have a pure heart, you don't have an expectation of anyone else. You're totally just like, okay, God, we're cool. There's a joy that comes from that because there's nothing distracting you and saying, but what about this? Somebody can't make you mad that's joy when they do something and it bounces off of you that's joyful it's not penetrating it's not hurting you when you get to that place where you go well you know that person's probably having a hard day today I'm gonna pray for them my joy is still intact confidence and trust in the Lord gives us joy you know why Because it removes anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry rob us of joy. But when we know that God's got it, there's a joy in that. I don't know how to solve this issue in my life yet, but the one thing I know is that God's got it. And so I am going to remain in a grateful state and anticipate the manifestation of his answer. I'm going to await the instructions that he's going to give me at just the right time. Because, you know, sometimes we can be doing the right thing, but it's at the wrong time in the wrong place, and it just gets everything messed up. And it might have been right, but it wasn't well-timed and it wasn't well-placed And it robs us of our joy. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, Psalm 44 says. 40 and 4, so that you're clear on that. Who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. You see, other people will let you down. They'll say, yeah, I'll do that for you. And then they let you down and it robs you of your joy. Well, when God says, yeah, I'll do that for you, he really does it for you. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. Obedience and all for God gives us joy. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. You know why? Because we remember his sovereignty. You know, people who are like, there are a lot of people that are stuck in demon mode. Everything is a demon. There's a witch behind every door. The devil's out to get you on every corner. That's, That's a lot of work a lot of pressure. But when I have a, a real awe of God and I understand the sovereignty of God and I know who's really running things, I'm not distracted by devils, demons, witches, and warlocks. They don't, they're not a factor because God is sovereign and anything they try to do to me has to get past his desk. And if he lets it go, it's for a purpose that's going to work to the good ultimately. So I win no matter what happens. You win. And all we have to do in the midst of that is stay obedient. When we're in obedience, it says resist the devil and submit to God. That's not two acts, that's one. As we submit to him, we're in automatic resistance, and he has to flee. And so the joy factor is that as long as I am submitted to God, the enemy is fleeing from me. He can't challenge me. And I'm joyful because God's got it. Take joy in doing his will. Even when he disciplines you, there's a joy in the discipline. You know why? Because he doesn't bother with the folks that aren't his. So even his discipline reminds you that you belong to him, that you are fathered, that you are possessed, that you are loved that you are loved enough to be corrected. There's joy in that. There's joy in the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? This should fill you with joy. His loving kindness is better than life. Joy can be found in wisdom. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Why? Because you've got direction. You're making good choices. And those good choices produce fruit that gives you joy. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that we should follow after wisdom and embrace it like embrace her like a sister. Because when we walk with wisdom, riches, honor, long life, favor, all that stuff follows all the stuff that gives you joy. Now, there is a counterfeit joy. You know that. And we talked about that. The word also says that foolishness brings joy to those who have no sense. I hope y'all got sense. You know, sense is not common, right? It's really not common. Foolishness brings joy to those who have no sense. Once again, sin will make you happy for a season, but integrity will give you joy. Okay. Joyful are people of integrity. Those who follow the instructions of the Lord. You know why? Cause you're not guilty. That condemnation steals your joy. Being guilty steals your joy. When you've got integrity, you know that your intentions are pure. You've got nothing to fear. You don't have to have a lie to remember to to follow up with another lie. It's a lot of work when you start lying. But Integrity will give you joy. Deliverance will give you joy, right? says he leads the prisoners out with joy. When you know that you've been set free, it's a joyful thing. Of course, we want justice. Justice gives us joy. Answered prayer gives us joy. Aren't you happy when you pray something and God answers you? Oh, he heard me and he did it. Wow. He says, ask using my name and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Amen. His presence. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me his presence. When you sense his presence, there's something awesome that happens in, in your psyche, in your spirit, in your soul, and even in your body. You can sense that he's near in a different way. He's always with us, but I believe there are times when we do and say things or, or we're waiting on him that he draws even closer and we get a great sense of being surrounded by him and ultimately it fills us to overflowing and that turns into a joy because we've been seen by him, known by Him and visited by Him. God Himself is the source of our joy. Psalm 9-2 says, I will be filled with joy because of you, simply because of you. Psalm 43-4 says, I will go to the altar of God, my God, the source of all my joy. Another Psalm says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. And so I just want you to know today that joy is looking for us as we pursue peace. You shouldn't have to look for joy. Joy is looking for you when you're pursuing the right thing. Peace is the quiet expectation of God's faithfulness, which fills us with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. It's that joy that the world can't take away because I know God's got my back, that he is for me. When you say that right now, God is for me. Oh, y'all didn't say that like you believed it. I want to hear you say it like you believe it. God is for me. Now, didn't that just release something in your soul? When you said it with conviction and you believed that God is for you, man, whatever you were worried about had to sit down, didn't it? That gives us joy. Is it God's will for you to have joy? Of course it is. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, a lot of people have gotten that all twisted. I can ask God for anything. No, the prerequisite of that is if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you won't ask for something that I don't want for you. Therefore, you will have it. You see, the secret to effectual prayer is being in alignment with God in alignment with his mindset towards you, in alignment with his wishes for you. So you need to find out what God intends for you and pray in alignment with that, and you'll see your prayers go pop, pop, pop. Sometimes there'll be a process because there are things that God willed in the word that took time, not because of the person, but because of the elements that had to be in place around them to be able to receive the blessing, keep the blessing, and use the blessing appropriately. But when you're trusting God and you've got that joy of his trust you're able to wait because you got peace that gives you joy in the wait amen he says you'll produce much fruit and this will bring great glory to my father and I've loved you even as the father has loved me and remain in my love so the prerequisite for the joy here is first of all remaining in him his words remaining in you and also remaining in his love and then obeying his commandments. He says, when you you remain in my love, you'll obey my commandments. And just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love, I've told you these things. Why? So that you'll be filled with joy. Your joy will overflow. So as we remain in him, his word remains in us. We remain in his love. We follow his commandments. Our joy is full. I just want to ask you this morning, as you ponder what the sources of joy really are, not the car, not the house, not the relationship, not the job, not the things that we can acquire externally. What are you really pursuing? How much angst is it giving you because it hasn't been realized yet? This morning, can we reshift our focus to pursue the word, to pursue integrity, holiness, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost as we shift our focus to pursuing God himself? You know, it says that if you pursue money, you'll never have enough. And that's only one thing. If you pursue love, you'll never have enough. That person will never love you the way you wanna be loved. They'll never love you as much as you want to be loved because you're pursuing love. So if you're looking to generate your own joy by pursuing what you think will make you happy, it will be frustrating and short-lived. But God has a promise of joy that is sustainable And eternal as you pursue Him as the source and giver of true joy. Pray with me this morning. Father, first we ask for forgiveness if our focus has been wrong, if our pursuit has been misplaced. I ask you, Lord God, that you would recenter us in you and that you would be our ultimate pursuit. As we wait on you and pursue you and bask in your loving kindness that's better than life, let us taste and see that you are good. Let your joy become our strength. Let it flow through all the members of our body, our spirits, our soul, our mind. Let us be filled with that joy you promised, that joy unspeakable and full of glory, the kind that the world can't take away. As we rest in you and make you our pursuit, this morning, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen.